I have seen firsthand how difficult it is to break a world record. What a person has to sacrifice and to give. That day in Brussels, 15 years ago, Kinesha gave everything. To see the record stand for so long is a testament to how incredible the time truly is. Nobody could do what he did until now. In Russia chapter guy, the world is only getting a glimpse of what this young man can do. Winning title after title, record after record. But is the 10,000 meter record simply too good? In Valencia, on the 7th of October, we intend to find out. It's on, people. The 10,000 meter world record attempt by Joshua Cheptegei will be taking place on October 7th, 2020. And we have launched a special bonus podcast to talk about it. This is Lutron.com co-founder Robert Johnson. This is the type of podcast, the bonus podcast, the extra content that you normally get as a VIP, let's run a member of the Supporters Club. We've decided to release this one to everyone to give you a taste of the bonus content that you're going to get if you support. If you want to support us, support independent journalism, go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. On this show, we're going to start with a interview with the Jonathan Galt and myself did, just did with um, Yuri Vandeville, Joshua Cheptegei's agent. And then after that interview, the three let'srun.com staff members are going to break down the race. So without further ado, here's the interview. All right, welcome to an emergency edition of the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast. Uh, big news today in the running world. Joshua Cheptegei, it's been announced, he is going to be attempting to break Kenanisa Bekele's 10,000-meter world record in Valencia, Spain on October 7th. And we decided we couldn't wait until next week. We have to talk about it now. So we've got myself, Jonathan Galt, my boss, Let's Run.com co-founder, Robert Johnson, and Joshua Cheptegei's manager, Yuri Vandevelden, is here. And we're going to talk to him and get the inside scoop on this event, or as much as Yuri's allowed to say right now. So, Yuri, thanks for joining us today. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I guess where I'll start is just how you said this event has been in the planning processes since June, since even before... Joshua broke the 5,000 meter world record in Monaco. How did this event come about? Well, basically to, to cut a long story short, um, obviously in March, the, the bad news came out of the pandemic uh, and things were not moving on well. Races got postponed, got canceled. Um, it was a no brainer that also track and field would suffer from, from this. Um, and at some point you also start to wonder like, hey, is Olympics on, yes or no? Uh, what's going to happen? What is the likelihood for for it to be on? And um, yeah, like I think we told you before already, Monaco was already in the plan since since March basically. Uh, and connected to that, we were looking to to have another you know big goal in the in you know pretty much in the area of of, of mid mid August. Um, at that point, there were there was not much security which races would happen when how um, and then we decided well we we asked um, a couple of races if they would be interested to to add a 10k uh, unfortunately that was not the case so then we said well you know we can also try to do it ourselves and 
kind of think out of the box. Um, and obviously Joshua and Valencia have a very good connection uh, from, from past year, uh, 10K in December. Uh, so it was pretty much a no-brainer to contact them to see like, hey, this is our vision, this is our plan. What do you guys think? And this was whatever, 5th or 10th of June or something, this conversation. So it was pretty early on in the season. Um, and it made our plan easier for Joshua to continue his training, to focus on Monaco, being able to say like, hey, this is coming, you know, after Monaco. Um, and yeah, like, like we told you in the last podcast, um, we, we, we always try to be two or three steps ahead to, to understand what the environment is, what, what is going on in the world and what we can do ourselves to, to give our guys opportunities. So um, yeah, that's how this came about. And why did you guys choose Valencia? Yeah, like like I said earlier, Joshua has a very good connection with them, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Last year, it was pretty much the same scenario. Uh, Joshua ran the 10,000 in Doha mm-hmm. um, mid-October, and we didn't really see, you know, much opportunity for him to race in November. Um, well, th- there were races. That's not a problem. I mean, the Seven Hills race is there where he broke the world record. Um, he won that race four years in a row, if I'm correct. So he could have gone for a fifth time in a row. Um, but we wanted something to to trigger him and which would make it interesting for him. Um, so we discussed and the coach said as well, like, yeah, we need a 10K in December. So, well, <laughs> there isn't any 10K. So we did some research and we did some digging. and. Um, we knew there was a kind of, I don't know if sub-elite, because that's kind of undervaluing the level of the race. It was still 28, whatever, 30 race uh, until then. Um, but there was no budget. So we did pretty much the same thing. Went to Valencia, asked the organizer, hey, this is our idea. What do you think? Um, do you have any interest to host a world record at them? Because we want a big goal for him in December. Um, you guys have a 10K. What do you think? And so... Thinking back to, to that opportunity which they provided to us, um, yeah, I think one and one is two. So it's it's a pretty easy thing to do to go back to the same people whom we had a successful tryout before and uh, hopefully we, we will do it again. So I'm, I'm curious how it's going to work. From, from like, Are there going to be fans in the stands or is this going to be just this one race or is there going to be a whole track meet with the 10,000 as part of it? Well, those are all still kind of things in the air because obviously we are all buying to the local, you know, restrictions and they differ every other other week. So it could be that there's more events coming. Um, but in general, it's all about the 10K. Uh, it's one race where one guy, you know, goes all out. Um, could be that there's some local races, but it's, it's you know, we are now five, six weeks uh, out of the event um, and yeah one month ago the world looked different than now so it's pretty hard to estimate what, what will you know what will happen um, but yeah we, we are ready to to you know to have other races involved as well if possible yeah Rob, Rob I was going to step in here real quick because you guys are dubbing this NN Valencia world record day and I it's funny yesterday on our podcast I came up with this idea I'm like hey we should have a special meet where all the people who want to break world records all try to do it. So it was Joshua Cheptegei in the 10,000, obviously, but then Ryan Krauser in the shot put, Carsten Warholm in the 400, Cecil Skipruto in the steeplechase. Get them all together, and everyone just goes for the world record. So I think if you're trying to add events, men's 400 hurdles, men's shot put, and men's steeplechase, Steeple. those are the three to add. 
We keep it in mind. Yeah, yeah. thank you. So, <laughs> so the Valencia people, I mean, they've done more for running, you know, in the last five or so years than anyone. I mean, that wasn't a big player already. I mean, they've done an amazing job. But, like, where does the money come from? Is it a tourism thing? Like, there's no mass race. I mean, normally there's, you know, they're trying to have a big race. This is kind of interesting on that standpoint. Yeah, obviously, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not the guy from Valencia, so that's difficult to say. But what I know in, two, I think it was 2006 or seven when I went first time to Valencia Marathon, I remember it was, uh, you know, it was a 212 or 211 race at best. And uh, there was a bunch of runners and uh, cars uh, parked in LA or half on the, <laughs> on the course. And they made such a big transition, especially like you mentioned, the last five, six years. Um, I think, you know, Trinidad Alfonso uh, came in heavily. Um, and then uh, obviously also the, the city got involved. So, um, and also, you know, before the, the river where the track is and the finish is um, of the Valencia Marathon used to be an old river. Uh, it's now like a beautiful place for running with run, running tracks and trails and everything. So um, I think the whole city as, at large is you know, developing massively, not only for running, but also for tourism. So it, I mean, I think for Americans as well, it will be a very interesting place to, to go to because everybody goes to Madrid and to Barcelona if they go to um, Spain. But I think Valencia really is a, a good spot for tourism as well. So they pretty much bring a couple of things together. Yeah, so, well, I'm excited to go there. Actually, when I was a kid, I went to Valencia with my parents, so I've already been there, <laughs> but I need to go back back for the running. But the, the thing that surprised me, and John's was harping on this, we, we put up an article, and he was, thought I was being a little bit negative. I'm obsessed about the weather as usual. It looks like the temperature, um, well, you're, you're probably a Celsius guy, so let me convert 70 degrees here to, to, um, to, uh, so it's going to be about, you know, 21 degrees Celsius, maybe, yeah. you know, which to me seems a little bit warm. I, I, I you know, I was worried about this in Monaco. It, it seems to me that if you had ideal temperatures, you'd be more like 13 or 15 degrees Celsius. Mm. Um, what, what time, do we know what time of day you're going to have this race? Are you a little bit worried about the temperature? I mean, I, if I was running, I would want it to be cool when I was standing at the start line and then you know, he doesn't take him that long to run the race, obviously, as most people, but are you worried about the weather at all? No, it's certainly something we looked into. Um, you know, people expect when we, you know, when we bring up these things, we, we may come with Hengelo, obviously, because we have a big legacy in Hengelo, uh, uh, which was also an option. But, you know, the weather in October, <laughs> in, let's say, this part of Europe, like Holland, uh, or in Spain, it's, it's a big difference. So um, you also should remember that uh, Valencia Half Marathon is also in October. Um, so that's a good sign. And obviously we are looking at the evening. We don't have an exact time at this point. Um, and that's exactly the reason. The reason for that is exactly what you mentioned. We, we want to make sure that, you know, the best temperatures we can get on that day um, will be, and, and wind and all those things included, of course. Uh, will suit him in the best way possible. So if it's 21 degrees or 19 degrees, doesn't matter so much. Uh, but of course, 19 degrees will be better than 21 degrees. And is it, you know, LA Kipchoge was actually under 10 degrees. Um, is there any window? Like, let's say you get the week off and you realize, oh my God, it's going to be 25 degrees or something. Could you move it to another day? 
And the other question I have, is there going to be any television coverage? Cause it's not a normal meet or a live stream that people, fans can watch it. Um, you know? Yeah. There's always a plan B as we, uh, I think Joshua mentioned there's a plan B, C, D and E in the last podcast. So we always have a plan B. Um, but yeah, definitely there will be a, um, um, you, you can watch it online as well. And, uh, it will be broadcasted live. Yeah. But those details will be confirmed closer to the day, obviously. Uh, but don't worry, we will send you a link so you can watch it. Very good. Now, one of the things I noticed was the date. I mean, it's October 7th. And obviously, 10 days later is the World Half Marathon Championships where Joshua is planning on making his debut at that distance. Was there any concern? I mean, I guess there isn't a concern because that's when you're scheduling it. But, you know, you're not, you don't seem to be worried that he only has nine days to recover from this hard effort before stepping up to the half marathon. Yeah, basically we connected it to world health, to be honest. Um, you know, the, obviously from a, from a weather perspective, October is better than September uh, or even August, because you could connect it either to Monaco, but August in Spain is pretty hot. Uh, it's, it's the middle of the summer. September is things start to cool down and towards world half it's getting nicer and nicer and in December it's perfect so that's why they run so you know so fast times are so fast in December but um, there is a connection with world half also caused by the pandemic uh, as you know it was a, a long journey for him to to reach Monaco and it was not an easy journey and we can't do that too much in a season so um, in that sense, and also to get authorization from the Ugandan government. I mean, Uganda is still closed. You can't enter the country. You can't leave the country. Um, so, you know, also from a political standing point, you can't ask the government three or four times in a year for a big favor. So we need to make it worthwhile from so many angles. Um, and that's why we choose for 7 October. So it's like 10 days out of world half. He has nine days to recover. He can stay in Europe, which will be you know, pretty good because uh, he finished a long journey already before coming to World Half, you know, he's just, and I mean, you guys have, you guys are runners as well, you know as well, if you are in tip-top shape on 7th of October, it won't go to waste in 10 days, you know, yeah. you, will be, you will be ready and fine to, to compete. I, I want to make fun of John for that question because to, to me as a coach, it's ideal 10 days apart. John seems to think that people should only race like once every three months and he gives a pass to all the Americans, the, like the Jerry Schumacher runners who run a 5K in June. He thinks they shouldn't race again until August. So we're always going you back. You put words on my mouth here, Robert. I just want to know the first time, now obviously I'm a very different athlete than Joshua, but the first time I ever broke 30 minutes for 10,000 meters, I was sore for like three days yeah. and it took me a while you know i guess 10 days you know he probably recovers faster than i do but i'm just saying like if you're running 26 15 which is what he's shooting for in the 10,000, you know you got to take a couple of days that's a hard effort he's got to recover from yeah. that and he's got to race again at a distance he's never done before i'm just you know that's why i'm asking about it hey yeah McKee but it, it got sense, the back-to-back you know, like, uh, world records Eight days Sorry? apart, John. McKeeley got the 5,000 and 10,000 world yeah, records eight days yeah. apart. So I'm One expecting a half marathon. I'm expecting the 10,000 and half marathon here, 10 days apart. <laughs> okay. No, but it, it makes sense to us because, uh, like you mentioned, of course, the half marathon is unknown for, for him. So uh, it will be a question mark what, what can happen. But we all know his talent and his capabilities. I mean, he has shown it, you know, many times before. So we have no doubts he can do it. Um, and the 10,000 is a distance he knows. 
Uh, obviously, you will have uh, more support being in Europe in the last week than being in Uganda the last week in terms of physio, nutrition, and all those things. So, you know, those guys will look will be looked after well. There will be nobody to disturb him, no family members coming by, or you know, you know, when they run world records, there's celebrations at home. So, it may even favor him to have like a week in, in Europe before connecting to Poland for World Half because he will be chilled out, he will be relaxed and he can do all those celebrations after World Half and take a big break for, for next year. That's roughly roughly what we're thinking, yeah. And obviously in a 10,000, I mean, pacing is very important. I mean, we, you probably don't know everything, but it's, gonna, it's normally there aren't a lot of track runners in great shape in, in October. So how, f a couple questions related to pacing. How far are you hoping to have a pacer go? That's question A. B, will, be, will there be the wave light technology? And then C, is it sounds like there's going to be some other competitors. And you told us sort of like there's this mystery runner that we're going to be interested in. So could there be someone, the only person I can think of is Ronix Caprito, that could actually run with, with, Joseph, with Joshua and maybe push him to the, you know, the battle for the victory in this race instead of having – because it's going to be hard to find pacers that can go – too far, basically, 13-minute pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's challenging. Yeah, I mean, the harder the record, the challenge, more challenging it is to, to find a good pacemaker. That, that's for sure. Um, you know, those those guys will be announced, but two, two paces of, of Monaco will also be there, uh, which makes sense because uh, they have proven themselves and things are, you know, things moved well in Monaco. The wave light will be there, um, and, and we're working on finalizing the details and also with the field you know more, more names will be announced um it won't be like uh, a full elite field because uh in this day and time also there's uh with, with the COVID 19 or the coronavirus uh, restrictions things are a little bit more difficult also in the hotel and there's a lot of things to consider and um we just want to make it as safe as possible for everybody competing um, and also for joshua obviously to ultimately run the world record so um, yeah, the less destruction, the better. And one thing I wanted to ask about World Half. So that's sort of been up in the air. People, I've, I've talked to some people and they weren't 100% sure if it was going to go on, but it's still scheduled. I mean, it seems like that's going ahead. What's the latest you've heard? That thing, they seem like they're 100% going for it. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, of course, we had uh, as managers uh, and as uh, organizers, we, we always have meetings with World, uh, World Athletics and the latest is that we know they are working hard on it. And at some point for us, you know, we need to plan and go ahead. We can't keep postponing. So we need to, at some point, we need to announce the guys running. A lot of people were asking for it. So, you know, you can't keep postponing. And um, the plan is there. And in the end for him, uh, it doesn't really matter. I mean, we are planning for both races to happen. But the good thing is the the first race is, is staged. And it's, it's sure it's going to happen. So he is focused now on the world uh, record on, on 10K. And um, before that, we will know if World Half is going to happen. But uh, I think it will happen. I mean, uh, it's, it, it's easy to control. I think one of you guys mentioned it earlier in, in one of your podcasts as well, like other, uh, maybe the both of you, but other um, sports are also continuing. I mean, we are watching daily the Tour de France and so many sports are happening. So... I think for World Athletics uh, as a leading body uh, to show leadership by staging World Half and showing to other organizers, hey, things are possible, maybe in a different way, but things are still possible would be very powerful. And 
I think if they would say like, oh, we won't stage it, unless the, you know, Polish politicians say differently, that's out of their control, obviously. But um, yeah, I think it will be a strong signal to other race organizers, road races, marathon um, organizers to, to, to stage it. And uh, I have a good feeling about it. All right, Robert, anything else for Yuri or should we let him go? No, it's been great. I guess, do you have any idea? One last question. What would be an ideal first 5K split here for this, this record attempt? Well, the record is 26-17. Uh, so, well, uh, I think in the area of 13.05, we'll, we'll be fine. Oh, then he has 13.10 to close. And uh, then he's there. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe not so easy as we... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, let, let's hope he does it. That's the main thing. And uh, I know there's speculation to break 26 minutes, and but let's first get him, you know, get the record. And, and if he feels well, we will see what will happen on the day. But uh, the main thing is to, to get the record because it stood for so many years. Like the other one also stood for 16 years, this one 15 years. Um, it's not easy to, to beat those times. They, they stand for so long for a reason. Yeah, I was wondering as an agent, like you tell him just to break it by a little bit, you know, so you can do it again and make more money. But then I thought, no, the way to make the most money is to become a legend. So if you break 26, you know, it'd probably be worth more than, than, than going 26-15, 26-13, 26-11. It's not like he's a pole vaulter and he can do this very often. So, Yeah, I think you can still run a couple of world records for the next couple of years. So uh, we'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for joining us. And we're very excited about it. Good luck. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. What did you think of that interview? Well, I'm not even going to let you answer. I'm going to answer my own questions. John, I love that interview because it confirmed basically my, my genius. I like to pat myself on the back. I think if you listened, you know, what do, they, what do they say, reading between the tea leaves or something? If you listen closely, it confirmed many of the things I thought, what I wanted to hear. One, they're a little bit worried about the weather. You know, when... when, when Kipchoge ran that, that race. It was 48 degrees. If you're a Celsius guy, it's like 8 degrees Celsius. Here it's going to be closer to what, what did we say, 20? It should be at least 15 if it was better. So they're a little bit worried about the weather. But, hey, he did in the 5,000. I think he can get the, the record here. So confirmation number one for Rojo. Confirmation number two is sub-26 is still on the table. Did you hear that, John? 1305? You got in 1305. You negative split that baby. Sub-26 is a possibility. Am I wrong, John? Those are my two big takeaways. I thought Chapter Guy told us he's a sixty-second machine. Why are we, t you know, sub sub twenty-six should be easy if he can just go out there and run sixties every lap. Uh, no, but I, I think sub twenty-five, John. That's when I stop watching the sport. Sub twenty-five minute. Is that what you're predicting? No, but that's the thing. Like you. you every time we see something like this, we immediately flash forward to what's next. It's like, oh, if he breaks the record. Then when's he going to break up 26 seconds, 26 minutes, that sort of thing? We always get ahead of ourselves. I think just breaking this record, which again has stood for 15 years, would be pretty incredible. And the one other takeaway I had, it wasn't from the interview, but it was from how they announced it. Robert, I've watched their video with Jos Hermans narrating about Bekele and Cheptegei, the, the announcement video. I've watched that about 10 times. I've so far failed. Every time I've gotten chills... It's amazing. I want to inject that into my veins. It got me so pumped up for this race. Yeah, it's great to see them hyping it, promoting it, promoting Cheptegei as a star. I mean, Haile G was a star. Bekele was a star. We need people that are bigger than the sport. 
And yes, it was an amazing video. Also, if you guys haven't checked out, Jonathan and I have written an article for the main webpage where we break this race down in great detail in written form. One thing we didn't have in there, John, is I know you had the stat during the 5,000, but no one has ever held the 10,000 meter world record as long as Bakile. And it's not even close. I mean, even during, during the, the war, the war era, you know, he's held this record for 15 years. So this record is no slouch. But I say that, but then in, in this article, and I found the article, the quote from Renata Canova, the coach, this guy, Coach Bakile, he said when Bakile, I mean, her, it was interesting to me. I thought the video was amazing. Herman says this record's amazing. But Renato Canova on our own measures board said, look, when Bakile set these records, this wasn't tip-top Bakile. One time he was sick, and one time he wasn't in great shape. Now, when you and I were talking off air, John, you got mad about this and said, that's one of the dumbest takes I've ever said. I didn't make this take up, John. Coach Canova said it himself. You said it's absurd for him to say this because it's one of the greatest records on the books. Yeah, I mean, Canova, look, I have a lot of respect for what he's done as a coach. He's a great coach. But he's out here saying 26-17, 26-20, the two fastest 10,000s ever run. No one's even come close. No one's come within 18 seconds of the world record since Michele said it in 2005. And he's out here saying... Oh, he wasn't in that great shape. Well, we know for sure he was in good shape when he ran the 2620 because that was only eight days after he ran 1237. So I guess he's saying that was the one he was sick for and then he wasn't in great shape in 2005. I'm sorry. When you run 2617, by definition, that proves you're in not just great shape, but the greatest shape for 10,000 meters anyone has ever been in. I just think it's kind of like Canova's great, but I think this is kind of a ludicrous take by him. So... Let's bring in Weldon Johnson as well here. One of the things, I was talking to you, Weldon, and I think we both got really excited because we looked at the schedule and we were worried we weren't going to have any races to get excited about this fall. Well, how about this? October 4th, Bekele versus Kipchoge, London Marathon. October 7th, Joshua Cheptegei goes to the 10,000 meter world record in Valencia. And October 17th, Joshua Cheptegei is making his marathon debut in the World Half Marathon Championships in Gdynia, Poland, that is as good a two-week stretch of distance running as you'll find pretty much any year. Yes, it's tremendous. I mean, distance running fans have to be super excited. America, I mean, I guess we have more COVID here, but the running world here pretty much waved the white flag. No elite-only race at New York this year, nothing in Chicago. Europe found a way to make some of these things work and oh my gosh december i mean october is going to be amazing with chapter guy it's i mean what a great month for fans we don't know what's going to happen the winter after that what's going to happen with covid but it's almost certain these events are going to happen and he's already got one world record so i guess that turns the question do you guys think he's going to get this thing i do because he ran 12:35 in monaco Looked great. I mean, he didn't look. It didn't look hard for him. He just flipped the switch and started ripping off sixties. I don't think he's going to be able to do that in a ten k, but he looked. It. He made it look easy, and we also know he's kind of he's more of a ten k guy than a five k guy, right? I looked at the World Athletics scoring tables. That's what his twenty twelve thirty five is worth about twenty six fourteen. I think he's in shape to do it. The big thing is, can is he going to have the pacing to take him through? And I think with the wave light. The wavelength will help, but I think having human paces also helps. I think I think he was gonna. I think he'll get it, but more things can go wrong in a 10k. It's twice as long as a 5k. 
I'm with John. I think it will happen. I mean, we're not, there's not a huge margin of error in any of these races when you're running that well. But I do think that, but going back to that Canova post, you know, John, you made a good point. When Bikile set the 10,000 world record, it was eight days after the 5,000 world record. So maybe he was a little bit under the weather. But, you know, maybe Canova's saying there's a little bit meat on the bone in the 10,000. It's maybe not quite as good of a record as the 5,000 record. And Canova says, you know, take the 5,000 meter time, double it. And then add 45 seconds. So, like, best case scenario would be like a 26.55. So, that, that, you know, that gives him a little bit of leeway, um, you know, to, to, to do it. But, man, it's going to be exciting. And then, don't forget, guys, this weekend, tomorrow, actually, we've got the mile women's world record holder against the women's marathon record holder in, a, in an hour race. So, cool stuff happening during COVID. I, too, kind of think he'll get it, which is crazy that we all think this crazy world record is going to go down because I don't think any of us thought the 5K record is going to go down. But Joshua, he's a better 5, 10K runner than 5K runner. Initially, I thought, oh, the weather's going to be way better than Monaco. It's kind of hot in Monaco, but I can't believe in Valencia in October the temperature is going to be a concern, but it sounds like it is. But I'm on vacation, guys. What do you guys see here? I see a very young girl. My little daughter, Cece. Oh, that came out awkwardly. I'm sorry. <laughs> I see you, young daughter. Yeah. My daughter, Cece. She's watched one track meet ever, and Joshua Chapaga set the world record. I'm going to make this her second track meet ever, and as crazy as it sounds, I expect the world record to go. All right. And the one thing before we go here, Yuri did mention there's sort of a mystery athlete who we're going to be very excited is in the field. I was kind of thinking it's either going to be Ronex Kiprudo or Joffrey Camor, or my money would probably be on Kiprudo. I think he also has a better chance to get. I mean, look, Kiprudo ran 26 24 on the roads in January this year. If he's in shape, he could get this record too. So we could not just have a record attempt, but a real race. I'd be really excited if it's Ronex. Oh, yeah, because that wasn't on your, your guys' interview. If this is a real race and someone who, I mean, who you think who can contend with a world record holder, but Ronix possibly could, Jeffrey maybe even, unbelievable. This would just be what already is much watch track and field, but <sighs> thank you. I, I just can't believe, on you know, as difficult this year has been for sports fans, for track fans, we're getting all of this in October. So thank you, Valencia. Valencia is becoming, is it too much to say, the number one distance running city in the world? Top two, top three. I, I think it's it's way, way up there. I mean, you look at the last 12 months, half marathon world record by Geoffrey Camor, 10K world record by Joshua Cheptegei on the roads, 10K world record by Ronex Kifarudo on the roads, and then and now we've got the 10,000 meter world record attempt on the track. So and it looks, you know, it's a beautiful city out there, uh, at least from the aerial shots I saw during the 2018 World Half Marathon Champs, another big, awesome race they staged. It's it's way, way out there in terms of greatest running cities in the world. We guys were talking about Caprudo. John, I was trying to read between the lines. I didn't get the sense it was going to be Caprudo when we were talking to him, but am I reading too much into that? It seemed like the focus was on Chepta guy getting the world record. There was no talk that he, somebody else might get the world record. He said there's well, he said there's another guy that we're going to be excited about. So, I mean, could be some guy maybe it's like Jakob Ingebrigtsen or something stepping up. I mean, I don't know. Like to me who I thought who would I get excited about? And I get really excited about Ronex and I get really excited about Camaro, but I kind of think Camaro is already doing world half. I know Chepto or I assume he's doing world half. 
And I know Sheptic guy's doing both, but I kind of thought Kibruto seems the most logical option here. Those are the only two. Well, that's not the only two. How about a third? It's not going to happen. Mo Farah. Now, if Mo Farah said, yeah, I'm, I'm in 26 minutes, Jay, people would go crazy and the message board would explode. It would be like 2005 where Let's Run didn't work anymore. But while y'all were talking, Jonathan uh, um, and Weldon, Let's Run coaching stack guru John Kellogg was talking into my ear about, about, the, about the world records. He, he said that before on his conversion chart, the old 5,000-meter world record and the current 10,000 world record were almost dead even. He had the old record converting to 26, 17.96. So he says now the new 5,000 world record is a little bit better. But he's like, you know, to break 26, he would think you would need to be in 1229 shape, which he didn't rule out because, remember, the weather wasn't perfect in Monaco, but it's probably not going to be perfect in in um, Valencia either. He was saying he would like to see sort of like high 50-degree weather. But anyways, it's going to be exciting. We don't want to talk too long because it's a bonus podcast. Anything else anyone want to add? Bring on October. Yeah, if you're not a subscriber already, Supporters Club member, there's a private podcast feed for supporters, and this is the type of content they get. And we've extended it through Labor Day. If you sign up at Labor Day, you get the Marathon 159.40 goat shirt for free. So let's run.com slash subscribe. Thanks, guys.